question, and uh, I wanted to kind of address uh, this tonight um, in Luke chapter 12. And those of you that send me questions and you think I'm never going to get to them, um, eventually I will. (laughs) Eventually. But in Luke chapter 12, um, in verses 49 through 53, um, it was kind of interesting. They said, uh, this person that asked this question said they were reading it and they saw the, the heading of this particular passage. And some of you may have, in your Bible, you might have like a heading of a particular passage or something. And the heading in their Bible said, Christ, a divider of men. And that kind of puzzled them, and then they began to read it, um, and they were just kind of wondering, what, what does this mean? And in verse 49, it says, Jesus is speaking. It says, I am come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it be already kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straighted till it be accomplished? Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth? I tell you nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two and two against three, and the father shall be divided against the son, and the son against the father, and the mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother, and the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And the question they were asking was, um, why is Jesus bringing division? Uh, I thought Jesus was supposed to bring peace. Jesus was supposed to bring unity. So what is Jesus saying here when he, when he says, in fact, he says, suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth, I tell you nay, but rather division. Why is Jesus saying that he is causing division? Right? I mean, that's, that's what he says. He said, I'm not come to bring peace I'm come to bring division. What, what, what would he... Why would he say that? Okay. He knows there's some people that are not going to believe it. Okay. What's that? Believers against non-believers. Okay. Um, after the rapture happens? When he comes back, there's obviously the vision of the people who trusted in him after the rapture. Mm. And then the ones that are still stupid, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can find that word in Scripture, but, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. Sure. All right. Rob? Okay. All right. Truth causes division. Anybody else? What do you think? I don't know. You tell you tell me if you're getting close. <laughs> what do you think? It's not. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Yeah. Anybody ever experienced that before? Maybe you've, maybe you've been knocking on somebody's door, or maybe you're talking to somebody at work, or a family member, and um, you're trying to share the gospel to them, and, you know, um, people will get maybe upset about that and think, well, hey, you're just, you know, you're not supposed to judge. You know, that's, uh, who are you to, to tell me, you know, and how do, how do you know your way is the, the only way? Why do you think your way is the best way? Um, that, that happens quite often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody else? What do you think? Why, why do you think he says this? Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth. Isn't he called the Prince of Peace? Ah, the Prince of Peace for those who believe. Okay. Ms. Rachel? Yeah, I think there's definitely that aspect of it, no doubt. I think and the reason why I actually brought out this question is I thought it went absolutely perfect with the verses we were looking at this morning. What did we find this morning? Why is Jesus hated so much? Because he speaks the truth. Truth divides. It divides, right? Um, truth is not whatever you want it to be. Now, that's the way the world is trying to make it. The world is trying to say, well, you, you decide what truth is. No, you don't decide what truth is. God decides what truth is, right? Nobody else does. God does. And so when we just try to make truth whatever we want it to be, even then, right, is, is that going to bring peace? <laughs> Of course not. You know what that brings? Anarchy. It brings chaos, right? Because my truth is not going to be the same as Brother Ross's truth. And Brother Ross's truth is not going to be the same as Brian's truth. And Brian's truth is not going to be the same as Jeff's truth, right? So if truth is just simply what we decide, even that doesn't bring unity, doesn't bring everyone together. It still causes division. Why? Because truth always divides. 
and especially the truth, right? And this is what Jesus is saying. He says, look, yes, he is called the Prince of Peace, and the Bible talks about, you know, he is, you know, even the angels, right? Um, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, right? Um, does God want peace on earth? Sure he does. But how do we get peace on earth? It's only through the Prince of Peace, right? The only way that we can truly have peace on earth is through Jesus Christ, okay? Um, and obviously, you know, we're not going to get into a whole lot of prophecy and things like that tonight, but obviously we understand that as long as the world continues in the way it's going, there is never going to be peace on earth, right? That's why, Miss Rachel's talking about, you have the rapture and then, of course, the tribulation, and the tribulation is God's judgment upon the earth, and then after, uh, after that, he sets up a, the, a new kingdom on the earth, that millennial reign, um, and, uh, and so his desire is peace, but again, the only way we can have peace is through Jesus Christ. And so he says, I have, I'm come to bring division, right? And here's the thing. Here, here, is, here is the division, right? It's not 20 million different splintered divisions. There is one division. It's you're either for Jesus or against Jesus. That's it. You're either on his side or you're not on his side. Either believing him that he is God, that he is the savior and that he is the only way to heaven or you don't. That's it. That's, that's where it's at. And just like we were talking about this morning, how people try to create their own ideas, their own religion because they don't want the truth. Okay. And so by Jesus saying, look, this is the truth, right? And, and sometimes people get this idea that because right? Because we say that Jesus is the only way that, you know, somehow that makes us, you know, we're, we think that we're holier than everybody else and that we're better than everybody else. No, we're not. We're not holier than anybody else. We're not better than anybody else. It is simply, Jesus said, this is the way. And there is no other way, right? And so you're either for Christ or against Christ. And when Christ comes and when he he is here he says look i'm i'm come to bring division and it does it divides families um you know and he he talks about it right here the father can be against the son the son against the father the mother against the daughter the daughter against the mother it it brings division in the family because if a person is not willing to put their faith and trust in jesus christ then that's going to cause division even in a family that says, oh, we love each other, a husband and wife, it can cause division in, in marriages. It can cause division uh, with the children and things. Um, and so it is, when, when you look at truth, when you look at what Jesus has said, it's either you believe it or you don't. It's either his way or your way. Um, and that, that causes division. And again, it goes back to just like we were talking about. Why is Jesus hated? Because they do not want to listen to the truth. They do not want to follow what he says. They want to do it their own way. Um, and so that's why he is hated. That's why when those following him, 
uh, are living a life that is honoring to the Lord, they are hated, they're persecuted, um, and it does. It causes division, right? Um, people would say, hey, well, you know, why, you know, here's a country that's 90% Catholic, you know, that sounds pretty good, right? 90% religious. Well, the problem is that 90% religious isn't the way that Jesus said. Just because they're religious doesn't mean it's the truth, right? Um, There's hundreds and hundreds of religions throughout the world today, but they're wrong. You say, well, how can you, isn't that judging to stand up there and say that they're wrong? No, I'm not judging. He already has. He's already, he is the judge, and he said it's wrong. All I'm doing is just proclaiming what he's already said, that his way is the only way, because he is the way, the truth, and the life, okay? Um, And so, yeah, there's going to be division. It's not... um, it's not division within the body he's not talking about. He's not coming to cause division within the body, obviously. He speaks very clearly that within the body, there needs to be unity. Uh, there must be unity within the body of believers within the church for the church to be able to function and to fulfill its purpose, right? And so there must be that unity. Um, but when we're looking at truth, there is going to be division, right? Um, because it's either Christ or not, right? Um, and I thought, man, that, that question went really well with kind of what the, the lesson was about this morning. So, um, anybody have any question or comment or anything about that? Yeah, Ms. Christy. Yep, absolutely. And, and again, when, when conviction comes, what do we do with that conviction, right? Uh, do we resist it? Do we push it away? Um, because the Holy Spirit is, is convicting, right? He's working. But what do we do with that conviction? Um, and uh, that will either help someone come to know God, um, or they will push that conviction away and drive themselves farther away from God. All right, very good. Yeah, Brad. Mm-hmm. And some of them are left, you know, a lot of the key verses are left out. Right. So, you know, you've got to deal with, with that as well. Because folks will look at another Bible and, and, and perceive it totally different. Right. Of the major mm-hmm. verses left out. Right. It's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, the, and there's no doubt. I mean, and that's exactly what the Bible tells us. Um, the God of this world is trying to blind the eyes of men so that they, not, they do not see. But what is it that he w- does not want them to see? Truth. truth. He's blinding the eyes of those in this world so that they will not see truth. And he'll do that anyway. That's why he's not, the devil's not against religion. He's not against religion at all. He's very glad that there is religion in Croatia. Because that religion is keeping people from knowing Christ. He's not against it. He's absolutely for it. Again, you think about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and this is what was really remarkable. And um, I, don't know if I, I don't know if I necessarily pointed it out this morning, 
But when Jesus does this, he says in verse number 25, he says, but this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. Right? He refers to their law. Right? He says, you knew this. You're supposed to know this. You're supposed to be the religious ones. You're supposed to be the religious leaders. You're supposed to be teaching people about God. And instead, all you're concerned about is yourself. You're, you're building yourself up religiously. You're not concerned about, and that's why I, find, I found it fascinating that in Matthew 23 there, he says, woe unto you eight different times. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. Woe unto you. I mean, it's like, okay, how many times do you have to say this for them to, be, to take notice and say, man, we're, we're in a mess here. And how many times he calls them hypocrites, right? Because these were supposed to be the religious ones. These were supposed to be those that knew the law, that knew the word of God, but yet they, they didn't care. All they were concerned about was themselves. And so, yeah, the devil's going to do everything he can to try to, to, try to hide the truth, um, you know, whether it's through religion, whether it's just through uh, opposition to the truth, whatever he can, he's going to do everything he can to hide it, to keep people from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Yeah, Miss Terry? Yeah, absolutely. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago um, about what causes someone to, to say that, right? What, what is it that causes that unbelief, right? Um, So, <laughs> all right. Um, so, this that that really. There was another question that I had as well. Um, that kind of goes along with that. I'm, I'm debating how much time I have here. Um. So let's 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 look at that for a second, right? We may not get to the sanctity of life tonight, but that's okay. So here's here's the other question. When we question someone else's salvation, is that a reflection of questioning our own? 
So if I say that I know full well that if I died today, I would go to heaven, and I know that I know, yet still question whether one can lose their salvation or reject it, does that make me actually not know? All right, hold on one second. Let me finish it. Sorry. The reason I ask, if the Bible is the only source that we need for answers, and I know I'm saved, why do I question if someone can reject the gift? So, if I know that I'm saved, yet question whether one can lose their salvation or reject it, does that make me actually not know whether I'm saved? What do you think? It's Kaylee? I would agree wholeheartedly with that statement. Absolutely. Hmm? It's done. Yeah. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. It's done. Okay. Right. True. To be absolutely certain, to be able to say, I know this person is saved, um, I don't think we can necessarily say that. We can look at the fruit, like what you're saying. We can look at the fruit. And by the way, looking at fruit is not judging. That's not judging. It's called fruit inspection. <laughs> not judging, right? I'm not judging and saying, oh, you're not saved. No, I'm looking at the fruit to see is the fruit evidence of a person who has put their faith in Christ, right? Again, just, just like this morning we were talking about his words and his works 
proved who he was, right? Same thing for us as Christians. And um, I was just totally blown away this afternoon, um, right, right before our class was getting ready to start, I was checking my phone to see if we'd gotten an, an email from one of the missionaries. And um, a, a gentleman uh, sometime this afternoon must have watched the, uh, the service this morning and uh, sent me an email saying how much he really appreciated the message. I thought, man, that's just, that's amazing. That, again, how people are, are, are looking for truth, right? They're looking for truth. Um, and he said, that was so convicting to me. He said that, am I showing through my words and my works that I am a follower of Christ, right? And that's, that ought to be our desire, that through our words, through our works, it proves who we are, right? And that, that, that is true, okay? But the thing I think we have to really, we have to nail some things down first before we can even answer this question, right? So again, think, think about the question, okay? If I know full well that if I died today, I would go to heaven, and I know that I know, Yet still, whether question can what, still question whether one can lose their salvation or reject it, does that make me actually not know? Well, here's the thing we have to understand, and here's the thing that um, that we we really have to, especially you know those that um, are new and put their faith in Christ, and whether they're uh, uh, children or teenagers or adults, whoever they are, what we have to really help them to understand is that when a person puts their faith in Christ, it was not because of anything they did. Nothing that they did, right? All they did was they put their faith in what Christ has already done. So I did not do anything to earn salvation. So if I did not do anything to earn salvation, can I do anything to lose salvation I cannot right if I didn't do anything to earn it I cannot do anything to lose it right because if I could lose it somehow with something that I do then it was not based upon what Christ did it is now based upon what I do that is a works salvation right now, I can say, well, no, I put my faith in Jesus Christ as much as I want to. But if I am saying that I can do something, there's something that I can do to lose my salvation, then my salvation is not based upon my faith in Christ. My salvation is based upon what I did and what I do to keep it. And that is not salvation. That is not what the Bible speaks of being salvation. Okay? So again, we have, to, we have to make sure that we understand terms. We have to make sure we understand what the Bible speaks of, okay? Now, can we say, as a Christian, you can know that you know that you know that you know that you know? I mean, I don't, I don't know how many times you have to say you can know, but I mean, that, that's kind of, that was, you know, uh, years ago, that was kind of the thing. Know that you know that you know that you know. Well, I only need to know that one time, right? I know that I'm saved, okay? I know that. So if I know that I put my faith in Christ and it's not based upon what I do, it's based upon what he did and he's already completed it all, 
then is there any way for me to lose salvation? There's no way for me to lose my salvation. Not if my faith is in Christ. Okay? If my faith is in Christ, then there's nothing I can do to lose my salvation. Okay? Right? Now, again, think about what it says. I know that I know, yet still question whether one can lose their salvation. Well, if, if a person knows for sure that they're saved, then how can, again, they lose their salvation? Now, I understand a person can, I understand a person gets saved and they, they're not taught, they're not growing spiritually. I understand that. I, I understand that they can um, get saved and they're not uh, in a good church that teaches doctrine and things like that, and they, that can bring all kinds of confusion. I understand that. That's not what I'm talking about right now, okay? We can bring up all kinds of hypotheticals, okay? But we're talking somebody that says, no, I know that I'm saved. I know that I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save me, and it's not by anything that I did. It's only by my faith in Christ, okay? Then how can that person lose their salvation? They can't. They cannot lose their salvation. Now, again, I I can't see their heart, just like what Ms. Don was saying. I cannot see their heart. I cannot say for certain that that person put their faith in Christ. That's, that's between them and God, right? But if a person, and th- this is why any, anybody that ever joins the church, right, I always have them share their testimony with me. How did you come to know Christ as their Savior, right? And all I can do is listen to what they say, right? Now, if they say, well, I got saved, you know, uh, when I was baptized, or I got, you know, uh, I got saved because I was born in a Christian home, then obviously we have, a, we have a problem there, right? That's because neither of those are salvation. But if a person sits in my office and they say, you know, on uh, this year, I, I, this certain su- such and such a year, I, I accepted Christ as my Savior, and, and I know that he's the only way, all I can do is take their word for it. I, I don't know. I wasn't there, right? I don't know what was going on in their heart. I have no idea, Right? All I can do is take their word for it that they said that they've put their faith and trust in Christ. But again, that's between them and God. Now, a person can lie. They, they, they can be brought up in church, and they can know all the right verbiage and everything, and they can say, yes, I, I put my faith in Christ, and be absolutely lost and on their way to hell. Um, Dr. Lee Robertson said, on any given Sunday, over 50% of the people in my church are lost. And he wasn't talking about visitors. He's talking about church members. And at that time, Highland Park was running several thousand people. Now, why would he say that? Because he doesn't know their heart. And it's easy for someone to say, yes, I've put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's very easy to say that. But again, this is where the Bible tells us that we are to be fruit inspectors. That's our job. We are to be fruit inspectors. Now, we're not to go around and count, okay, how much, how much fruit have you borne, Brother Ross? You know, let me see all the fruit. No, but I can tell, okay, I can, I can look at his life and I can say, hey, this person, uh, from what I can see, right, looks like they are truly a follower of Jesus Christ. 
they're, man, they're faithful to church. They, they talk about the things they're learning in the Bible. They talk about how God speaks to their heart. You know, uh, you know they, they give out tracts. From what I can see, that person is saved. Is that person saved? I have no idea. I have no idea if they're saved or lost. Because even good people can do good things. I grew up in a Christian home. I went to church every Sunday. I had a Bible. I knew the Bible backwards and forwards. I was in a Christian college. I led people to Jesus Christ. Was I saved or was I lost? I was lost. I was absolutely lost. I just knew all the right things to say. I just knew the right way to act. And this is what I'm saying. We have to understand that just because a person says, oh, there was a time when I made that decision. There was a time when I believed. I don't know if they've really saved or not. I have no idea. And if a person then comes later and says, well, I have totally, I I don't believe anymore. I don't believe that Jesus is God. I've totally rejected. I've just, you know, whatever they're saying. I'm just looking at the fruit. And if somebody can go that far to say, I don't believe in Jesus, I don't believe he's God, I don't believe he's the Savior, I I believe all these other things now, there's either one of two things. Either they're saved or they're lost. Either they're saved and they are so far away from God that God is going to discipline them, as Hebrews 12 talks about, or they never ever put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But for me to say, because this person has come and said they don't believe in Jesus anymore, they don't believe in God, or they don't believe whatever, for for me to say, oh, that person never was saved, I don't know that. Just like I don't know, just because a person sits across the desk from me, and by the way, I've had people sit across the desk from me, say I'm saved, and, and I've taken their word for it, and a year or two later, they get saved in church. Wait a minute, what? I thought you, thought you were already saved. No, it was just words, right? And so this is where we, ha- we have to be very careful, right, that we don't become the judge and jury, because that's not our place. Okay? My job is simply to look at the fruit that is being born and see what kind of fruit it is. Now, if it looks good, then I'm saying, hey, I hope that they really have made that decision to follow Jesus Christ. Right? If it looks bad, I'm going to wonder. Okay, either they really have not put their faith in Christ or... They did, and somehow they've gotten so backslid that they're just so far away from God, and God is going to bring the hammer down. And by the way, he does, right? He does. And so, again, we, we've got to be careful. And again, in this question, 
you've got to go back to the basics. Can someone lose their salvation? No. A person cannot lose their salvation if they have truly put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, again, what does that mean? Does that just mean saying a prayer? No. Just saying a prayer doesn't mean you get saved, right? They have to truly have repented of their sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ to save them. They're not trusting in anything else other than Christ. That is what the Bible says is true salvation. It's not, well, I'm just going to say a prayer so I can go out and keep living the way I want to live. That's not salvation. You can call it that, but it's not, right? That's not salvation, okay? So to understand when, she sa- or when this person says, um, yet still question whether one can lose their salvation, we have to understand, wait, first of all, you can't lose your salvation. A person cannot lose their salvation, right? Can they reject it? Can a person reject salvation? Yes, they can. A person can reject it and say, I don't want it, okay? But let's take it a step further. If after a person gets saved, and maybe for whatever reason, uh, maybe there's a, you know, a tragic circumstance and it just causes them to begin to question God and they begin to just move away from God farther and farther and farther. And then they come and say, you know, I don't even believe in God anymore. I don't believe in Jesus. And so I have rejected all of those things that I, that I believe before I've rejected them all. Can a person who is saved and backslides reject salvation? You're right, not if they're truly saved. If they're truly saved, they cannot reject salvation. No matter what they say, they cannot reject it. Why? Because they've already been born again. They're already born to the family, right? Look, I love my kids. My kids can come up and say, Dad, I hate you. I reject you as my father. I reject mom as my mother. And and we're just going to go off and we're going to live however we want to live. And we're going to do whatever we want to do. You know what? Still the dad. My wife's still the mom. Just because they reject it doesn't mean that it's not true, right? And again, we're, we're talking about somebody who has, you know, just gone so far, gotten so far away from God, whether through, you know, confusion of other religions and things or whatever the circumstance might be, that they say, I rejected, I reject all that I said before. I, re- I reject Jesus as my savior. I reject salvation. I reject God. I reject the Bible. I reject the church. You know what I know about that person? Either they're saved or they're lost. Either they're saved or they're lost. Either they're saved and they've just gotten so far away from God Look, you can't reject Christ after you've accepted him. You can say you can. You can say, I reject him. That doesn't matter. If you've been born again, you've been born into God's family, it's permanent. It's a permanent thing. So either that person is saved and they've just gotten so far away from God, or two, they never were saved. They just said the words. And now they're just saying, I, don't, I, I never believed it. I, I don't believe it. I, I don't want it. And, they're still lost. They never were saved with to begin with if they never accepted Christ at the beginning. And that's why it's, it's difficult for us as Christians 
to look at people and say, oh, that person saved, you know, look, look at all the good things that they do. Well, it's not just the good things that they do, right? We've got to look and see, is the fruit really there? Is that spiritual fruit there, right? Not just are they faithful to church and have their Bible. Just because somebody's faithful to church, I'm going to lower, I'm going to drop a bomb on you here, right? Just because someone is faithful to church does not mean they're spiritual, Just because someone has a Bible and reads it every day does not mean they're spiritual. Mic drop. Doesn't mean you're spiritual. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Right? It is that yielding to the spirit of God. Just because I read the Bible, just because I come to church doesn't mean I'm yielding to the spirit of God. As I yield to the Spirit of God, then that true fruit of the Spirit is going to be evidenced in my life. You know what's sad is some of the worst people, and I'm saying this, saying this in a kind way, some of the worst people are Christians. Some of the worst people are Christians. People that are in church every week, People that say, oh, I believe the Bible, but yet you go to where they work and they have the foulest mouths. They treat their family wrong. Between their marriage, between husband and wife, there's bitterness, there's strife, there's jealousy. The way they treat their kids, the way they treat their coworkers. So just because you come to church and just because you read your Bible doesn't mean that makes you spiritual. It's are we allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us and conform us to the image of Jesus Christ? Again, the words and the works prove who we are. Okay? And so there are going to be people that, hey, they'll say that they're saved and the works look good. And you know what? They're not saved. And there will be people that are saved, that have gotten away from God, and their works don't look so good. So you're not making this easy. It's not. It's not easy. And that's why he says, even in Galatians, when someone falls away, he says, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. Because there's a lot of carnal Christians, but not a lot of spiritual Christians. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? I know we... I know we kind of got, got off there, but um, again, the Bible does have the answers. We just have to believe it. Is salvation eternal? The Bible says it is. So if it's eternal, if it's everlasting, I can never lose it, right? And again, when we're talking about true salvation, and this is so many people equate religion and just words, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, with salvation and spirituality. That's not it. It's not salvation. That's not spirituality. Right? Um, you can go to church all your life. And you can look right and do all the right things and die and go to hell. Because it has nothing to do with how good you are 
has to do with the heart, right? Now, when our heart is right, will there be the evidence of that in the good things that we do? Absolutely. That's why it says we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That's what what he wants us to do. But what, what has happened is the world has equated good with spirituality. And so now if we can just be good, then we must be acceptable to God. No, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And so... It's not just as simple as, you know, oh, this person said they believed and now they don't believe, so they must not have ever believed. It's not just as simple as that. It's not just as simple as saying, well, hey, look at everybody around me. If these are all members of First Baptist Church, everybody in here must be saved. It's not as simple as that either. Now, don't go out wondering, hmm, I wonder who here is not saved. <laughs> but it's not as simple as that. And that's why, again... All, the only person that I can know for sure, one way or the other, is me. All I can do is take your word for it. That's all I can do. I can take your word for it. You said you've accepted Christ as your Savior, and then I'm going to be checking. I'm going to be looking. Hey, is there any fruit? Is there fruit that shows that? And if there is, great. Praise the Lord. If not, I'm going to be praying. Right? Maybe I have a really quick question or comment or anything like that. We're already at six. Really quick. Really, really quick. Yes. Sure. Yeah. If if they are truly saved then you're just going to have to pray for them. You're going to have to encourage them. But it's going to ultimately be the work of the Holy Spirit that really convicts them and brings them back, right? Can the Holy Spirit do it? Absolutely. Can he use us to do it as well? Yes. As we still show them love, as we shall show them the love of Christ, um, and we still care about them and talk to them and pray for them and things, yeah, absolutely, the Holy Spirit can use us. Uh, but again, it's, it's the Holy Spirit because they're not, they're not resisting us. It's the Holy Spirit they're resisting. And that's the one who's going to, God's going to have to break their heart. And God can do that through discipline. God can do that through many different things. And again, that's another thing. We have to be careful. Just because somebody is going through a hard time doesn't mean that God is disciplining them. Sometimes we get this idea, oh, they're going through a health issue. They're going through financially. Oh, they must be, there must be sin. No, it doesn't mean that either. And so we do have to be careful about that, right? Real quick, Miss Rachel. Yeah. He was waiting. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and man, when God restores someone, it is absolutely a, it's a beautiful thing to see what God can do through that person's life, right? Um, 
or whether there's the recognition that they, they never were saved and God has brought them to understand that and they, they need to accept Christ. Are you saying something, Don? Right. Right. Yep. Again, and that's why we we've got to be careful just to be like, oh, yep, no, yep, no, yep. That's that's not really our our decision. That's that's between them and God. And I guarantee you, <laughs> I guarantee you, when you get to heaven. There's going to be people who are like, what? <laughs> and then there's going to be people like, well, where's this person? They're not there. Because, again, it, it has nothing to do with whether you're good, whether you're bad, whether you go to church, whether you're... It's, have they put their faith and trust in Christ? And when they do that, the Holy Spirit is going to work. The Holy Spirit's going to draw them. The Holy Spirit's going to convict. Um, the Holy Spirit's going to do his thing. And, um, and God will work, right? Very good. Well, I apologize. We did not get to the sanctity of life tonight. And uh, we'll get that next time, all right? All right, let's go ahead.